When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Marinero. 55 seconds left in the penalty a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> you know, I, 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 there is a ball! Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est bon, c'est Stanley pour les Canadiens. Le 23e de l'histoire. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6 beer. Intense by nature. And Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to Lacage. It's going to be sick. Marinero on this Monday, January 9th. It is one minute past 10 o'clock right here on the Sick Podcast. And we are live on YouTube. We're live on Twitter. And we are live on Facebook. Hello, hello, hello. Another game for the Montreal Canadiens who had lost. Seven games in a row, and then on Saturday night, they beat the St. Louis Blues by a score of 5-4, to four, only to get back at it tonight, hosting the Seattle Kraken, a team that Montreal had beat in their only visit to the Kraken earlier on this season. But in front of the Habs brass, and I see Kent Hughes, and I see Vinny LeCavalier, and I see, I see Nick Bobrov and company, the Montreal Canadiens get pretty much doubled up in shots and they get shut out, and they lose by a score of 4 to nothing to the Seattle Kraken. So, uh, you know, if you're like me, uh, tonight was, uh, was a good night because, uh, you know, count me among those who, once again, if you're going to miss the playoffs, right, you might as well be terrible, right? If you're going to miss the, the playoffs, you just might as well be very terrible. And so at, at this point, I mean, what's the use? To win games for what exactly? For what? Shots on goal, 19 to 6 for Seattle in period number one, 16 to 9 for Seattle in period number two. Period number three was six shots apiece. And uh, when all was said and done, it's 41 to 21 for the Seattle Kraken. 41 to 21. So there you have it. Charles Alexi Brisebois, by the way, of 91.9 FM BPM Spa in Montreal, will be my guest and he will join me in just a couple of minutes' time. All the scoring, by the way, not all the scoring, but the scoring with a goalie and net because the Seattle Kraken got an empty netter. But in period number one, it was Eli Tolvanen who got a pass from um, from Vince Dunn to make it one nothing. Daniel Sprong on the power play, a bang-bang play, went from Beneers to Barakowski to Sprong and found Sprong, who was able to put it just inside the post off of Montembeau and in. And then it was uh, Vince Dunn who was able to make it 3 nothing for Seattle. No goals to show in period number two. And in period number three, once again, it was Matty Berniers with an empty net goal. The Canadians pulled the goalie with over three minutes to go in regulation, figuring what do you have to lose, right? I mean, they're losing 3 nothing, about three and a half minutes left. Let's pull the goalie. They do. 
And uh, Matty Benier scores in an empty net with one minute and three seconds left in regulation. For the Montreal Canadiens, even though there was no offense, the guy who tried to manufacture the most, I would say, would be Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield because Suzuki had five shots on goal and Caulfield had four shots on goal. The Sick Podcast brought to you by Lacage. If the last time you went to Lacage was when the Habs won the Cup, what time you go back to Lacage, the menu will surprise you. Also brought to you by these guys. Now you see them? 8.6 beer, intense by nature. The beer for those who follow their instinct and live their passions in order to make their mark. And also brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Unfortunately, the Montreal Canadiens didn't have too many players playing with energy tonight. I would say that Jake Evans was one of very few. Energy Transportation Group, my buddies Mike Cinquino and Sean Gerard. they are a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America. They are driven to be different. And once again, welcome to all of you who are watching on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Let's get to the Montreal Canadiens lineup. Agnello and Sammy Cavallaro back at Master Control. If you can bring it up, fantastic. Suzuki with Caulfield on his left and Doc on his right, so the line back together. Of course, with Evans, who has Armia on his right and Dadonov on his left. It was Dvorak with Slavkowski on his left and Anderson on his right. Drouin centering Pozzetta and Hoffman on defense. Edmondson Savard, who, by the way, they looked very lost tonight, I thought. Harris and Kovacevic, Jackai and Weidman, and it was Montambo in goal, and it was Caden Primo on the bench because we've been told that Jake Allen sustained an injury. Anyway, uh, this is not a very good team right now, and they surely didn't play like it. And you know what? Once again, I think that's pretty good news. If I take a look at the standings as we speak right now in the National Hockey League. As uh, it's taken a while to load up here, but I go to NHL.com. And I will press on League to see where the Canadians are. And out of 32 teams, the Canadians sit 27th. They are tied with San Jose. The Canadians have three games more. Uh, pardon me. The Canadians have three points. No, pardon me. The Canadians have 35 points. Uh, San Jose is 32. So they're three points up on San Jose. Uh, they played the same amount of games. They're four points up on Arizona. Arizona does have two games in hand. And uh, they are seven points up on Anaheim, nine points up on Columbus, and 11 points up on Chicago. It looks like the Canadians would have to go into a major slide to end up being where Chicago and Columbus are going to be, especially since you have a feeling that Chicago and Columbus are actually going to be sellers between now and the deadline. So will the Canadians. But, uh, man, the Canadians would have to go on a really, really terrible slide uh, to be able to actually go below them in the standings. So the Connor Bedard watch is on. By the way, his first game back with Regina, six points. Four goals and two assists. Thank you very much. This guy's unbelievable. This guy is really unbelievable. We will take your calls tonight. If all goes well here at one 585 one on the Sick Podcast. I see some of the questions, some of the comments coming in already. And uh, once again, Charles Alexi Breezeball will join me in just about a minute. Bish Boy Steve says marinara. It's actually marinaro but i do like a very good marinara sauce um others coming in the three stooges line was on the ice tonight this coming in from b-roll that's not very nice matrix says drew ain't still at zero goals that's not very nice i know goaltenders with more goals than drew ain't that's not very nice uh tony do you know that bedard didn't have to play russia in both tournaments it's a huge difference than playing austria Mike, you're going to do me a favor. You're going to stop with trying to find a negative or a hole in Connor Bedard's game. You're going to do me a favor. If, based on what I see on the chat, you're the same Mike, you're the same one who said, yeah, but let him see, let me see him do it against a good team. Mike, please stop. He scored more goals than any player to ever play for Team Canada at the World Juniors, and he could still play in two more competitions. He picked up more points than any player to ever play for Team Canada at the World Juniors. And he can still play in two more competitions. All right? Okay, Russia wasn't there. So uh, he didn't play two or three games versus Russia. 
He can still play two more years. Can you please stop? Can you please stop? He played the same teams that Shane Wright played. In one game, he picked up the same amount of points as Shane Wright did in seven games. Please stop. I don't like when people do this, by the way. It's free. It's freedom of speech. I get it. People are allowed to say what they want. But I don't like when we come across phenoms, when we come across stars, when we come across superstars, and people are trying to look at negatives or find holes in their game instead of talking about the obvious, the, the, their greatness. Connor Bedard has NHL moves. He has an NHL wrist shot. He has NHL vision. He's clutch more so than most elite clutch athletes we've ever seen. He's in that category with them. What do you want more? He was the youngest player at the World Juniors. He was doing this with and versus kids three years older than him. Mike, I don't know if you're doing this on purpose to get me going. Sometimes I like to get teased, and sometimes I like to play, and sometimes I don't. You're on the verge of being blocked on YouTube, I think. I think, I think, I think you should tread carefully, Mike. You should tread carefully. I had my say. I feel better now. Um, sick, like really sick, saying B. Murphy. Thank you, B. Chicago will get Bedard because Gary would like to see that. I'm sure Gary would have liked to have seen someone else get Connor McDavid too, but he went to Edmonton, by the way. And Edmonton had the first pick overall three years in a row. Okay? Um, want help for Jack Eye and learn him the right way to fight. I want that bunch of guys to make space on the ice for young Habs talents. All right. Jimmy says the lottery is fixed. All right, Jimmy, maybe you're right. Maybe you're wrong. Um, maybe you're right. But you see, I'm going to tell you something about the lottery, and I'm going to tell you something about the draft, okay? The Canadians had the first pick overall in a draft that had Slavkowski and had Wright and had Juracek and had uh, Nemich and others. Okay. And um, when Seattle had the second pick in their draft, they drafted Maddie Berniers. Maddie Berniers uh, is probably going to have a better NHL career. It looks that way right now, anyway, than all of those other players that we just talked about. Some drafts are better than others. And this is why. If you think you can get the first pick overall in one draft and then it's just, it's over. You don't need to be rebuild anymore. Not if you don't end up in a great draft. The draft of last year has seen only three players play games in the National Hockey League in their first year. Slavkowski's played 36. Shane Wright has played eight. And David Yerichek has played two. Yerichek, Nemec, Logan Cooley, Shane Wright. Yerichek and Nemec right now they're playing in the American Hockey League, and they played at the World Juniors. Logan Cooley's playing at the University of Minnesota, and he played at the World Juniors. And Shane Wright's playing in the Ontario Hockey League, and he played at the World Juniors. And um, Slavkowski played well tonight. He was one of their better players for a team that didn't score. But I'm still going to question his development here. And I don't think Slavkovsky should be in the National Hockey League right now. I think he should play. I think he should be with the Laval Rocket. I think he should have been at the World Juniors before that. I've given you my opinion on more than one occasion. Slavkovsky has not scored now, I think, in 17 games. And he has five shots in the last 11 games. He hasn't scored in 17 games. He's got five shots in the last 11 games, and I don't remember when was the last time he picked up a point. So if people think that this is good for his development, I don't think it's good for his development. I don't think it's good for his confidence. Now, having said that, the, the people at the helm of the Montreal Canadiens right now are like a lot smarter than I am, all right? But it doesn't mean that they're not making a mistake. I think they did. Only time will tell. Um... If he would have been in Laval, I think he would have had a lot more ice time. 
I think he would have had a lot more shots than five in the last 11 games. And I don't think he would have gone 17 games without a goal. And now they're keeping him here and keeping him here. But I have to say this. What if 17 games without a goal becomes 27? What if five shots in 11 games ends up becoming 10 shots in the next 30 games? And You know, what if he goes 10 games without picking up a point? How good is that going to be? It's like they're waiting for him to get out of it. And I don't blame the kid. I really don't. I love the kid. I love the kid. I support drafting him. No problem at all. He's 18 years old. He's already done better than a lot of other players who were drafted first overall did thus far in the National Hockey League. It's not an easy thing to come in and produce. We have to understand he's not a generational talent. We have to understand he might not even even be a franchise player. That's my take. We have our guy, Shao Alexi Brisebois. Hey. Hi, Tony. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Better than the Canadians, actually, but well. Well, it all depends on who you ask. If you ask someone who supports the, uh, look, if you ask the players for sure and the coaching staff, I would imagine they are not very happy. Tonight, it wasn't pretty. Eh, Charlexi, they were almost doubled up in shots. You'd think they would almost doubled up in scoring chances. They lost 54% of their draws. They were 0 for 2 on the power play again. They continue to have the worst power play in the league, under 15%. Ça va mal à chop, mon chum. Ça va mal à chop. And, you know, at one point uh, in the game, I, I told myself, oh, yeah, Jake Evans is on the ice. And it's not a normal thing to say to yourself during an NHL game to say, oh, wow, Jake Evans is on the ice. And it's nothing against the kid because he's really good and he's playing really great right now. But he's not supposed to be your best player. He's not he's supposed to be the only player you, you want to watch during a game. It shows that the Montreal Canadiens really need to fix a lot of things right now. You know, some things are easier to fix than others. They should start with getting a fourth line that is a prototypical fourth line, one that does what a fourth line does. Tonight, Drouin, Hoffman, and Pozzetta were an absolute disaster. 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 The problem with their, their fourth line, I, I feel it's just like Martin Saint-Louis says, okay, I have nine guys on my top nine, and I need three other guys in the lineup. So I'm going to put them on, on that line. But as you said, they don't have a, an identity. They, they, they're just playing because they need ice time and they need players. They need to have guys who, who really bring something to the table. And right now, we're not seeing it because we all know that Jonathan Drouin is not a centerman for the fourth line. We all know that Mike Hoffman is not a fourth line man. He, he, he skipped the last two games and now he's playing on the fourth line. Listen, I'm not a fan of Mike Hoffman, but you got to give the guy some chances because right now he's absolutely not going to succeed in these conditions. Uh, no, he's not. Uh, Hoffman, after being a healthy scratch, he comes back and he's minus three in the lineup. I mean, my God, like I just, uh, if Marty St. Louis was lacking patience the other night or had had enough, I wonder what he thinks tonight after the game. Yeah, of course, he's, he's uh, absolutely not happy right now. And Mike Hoffman is clearly one of the reasons. And, you know, what's hard about it, he has another year of contract. So you cannot just say we're, we're going to let this contract go or we're going to pass him at the trade deadline for a seventh round pick or anything because no team is going to take a Mike Hoffman with another year of contract. You know, in this um, accountable NHL, how much the contracts are worth right now. And we're not sure if um, if we're going to have more space next year, if uh, the, the platform is going to rise. So right now, it's really a tough spot for the player and for the team. Uh, says, uh, Mike, uh, where's George Larac? George Larac is a regular on Thursday nights, and I'm going to let you know right now that Eric Engels will be my guest tomorrow night on the SICK Podcast. Marc-André Perrault will join me on Wednesday night, and George Larac will join me on Thursday night. On Thursday night, when the Montreal Canadiens play next, versus the Nashville Predators on a night where the Montreal Canadiens are going to honor former Hab. P.K. Subban. I can't wait to talk about that. Hey, Shal Alexi, I saw a lot of comments on social media. I'm talking about Twitter in particular, talking about the retro blue jerseys. Um, here's something for everyone watching. The Canadians play has nothing to do with the jerseys, all right? They're one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. It's, you know, it, it, it won't be much better if they wear a different color jersey. No, exactly. And, you know, it, it's it's okay to talk about it because, you know, it, it 
deviates the fact that the Habs are not playing great. So for, for the organization, they make cash out of these uh, jerseys and we don't talk about the game. We talk about the jerseys, but seriously, you're right. If they're playing in white, if they're playing in red, if they were playing in yellow, it would have been really, really, really bad because it's a disorganized team. And you look at that defense, how do you want to succeed with um, with your best elements who are not there? The fact that Caden Gooley is absent and he's going to miss like two months, it's really, really a bad news for the Canadians because, yes, he was a rookie, but he didn't play like one, and you know it. All right, okay, so I'm going to say this regarding the whole tank thing and stuff like that because, obviously, everyone's talking about it right now, especially after Connor Bedard played the way Connor Bedard played at the World Junior Championships. Uh, players don't play to tank. We know that. They play to win. Coaches don't play to tank. We know that. They play to win. However... There is a management team behind every team, and a management team has a plan. And this management team doesn't want to deviate from the plan. So after discussions that the management team has with the coaching staff and stuff like that, um, and if that's their plan, you know, a management team can say to a, um, to a medical department, say to the physio staff, say to the players too, if you're injured, we're not going to rush you back because – it's a lost season, right? So we might as well take our time, correct? Why would you want to rush someone back if the games don't have any meaning? You're not tanking, but it's a way that you can actually ice a team with less depth. And if one of those players is a goalie, like Jake Allen, another thing, if the coaching staff knows that the management team doesn't want to deviate from the plan, well, um, you don't have to play your best players together. Or if you do, it means you're not going to have a lot of balance on the other lines as well. So at one point, everyone was, ah, you know what? They took Doc off of the number one. Ah, they put Armia on the line. Oh, they split up Caulfield and Suzuki. And, you know, number three, and another thing, and I don't even know if we're at number three or number four here, but this management team is not going to go out now to make a move to improve this team to make it better right away. So... Oh. Those are ways that organically, Charles Alexi, whatever has to happen, will happen. Exactly. And even if Kent Hughes, let's say, I don't know why, but let's say Kent Hughes wants to improve this team. He can't do it on the short term because this team is really bad. This team is disorganized. There's not one player you can add to that team and say, okay, we fixed, we fixed it and the team's going to come back and it's going to be stronger and it's going to win some games at the end. The, the the easiest way to do that is to change the coach and it's absolutely not going to happen that we know that for sure so yeah you have to 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 play with the lineup and all the the things you said a guy like Sean Monahan everyone sold us like oh Sean Monahan he, he always plays when he's injured but right now we see Sean Monahan the impact he has on a team because good player the, the, the good the good teams have two good centermen, and we saw it at the beginning of the season. Nick Suzuki was way easier for him when Sean Monahan was playing right behind, and he could take some uh, take some draws um, that are not always easy for a young player. Right now, Nick Suzuki really, really, really misses Sean Monahan, and I'm sure that the Canadians are taking their time to make sure he's healthy. Because if you want to trade for a first round pick at the trade deadline, you need to sell to the other team the idea that yeah, Sean Monahan is going to play until the end of the season. And for that, if he has to miss a few more games, he is going to miss a few more games. All right, okay. Uh, not a lot of players played with energy tonight. I talked about Jake Evans before. I thought he did. Um, also got into a fight with Donato. But I'm going to tell you another guy who played with energy tonight. Arbor Jackai, who as the game went on, especially in period number three, he, he looked like he was on a mission there. Arbor Jackai was hitting everything that was moving at one point. Yeah, exactly. And I think he, he, he falls back on that because we talked about it. The, the defensive core is, is not really good right now. They're disorganized and there are too many rookies for that uh, for that kind of season. So maybe he says, OK, I, I can't play the game that I, I, I want to play one at one point in the NHL. So right now I'm going to fall off on what I know, which is I'm going to hit and I'm going to be um, I'm going to be available on some other ways for my coaching staff. So I think there's maybe one of the parts, but good for him if he can find 
some way to 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 be relevant on that defensive core because right now uh, beside Jack I it's hard for that for that defensive core and even the veterans guy like you you take a, a Joel Edmondson it's really really not a good season for him so some guys like Jack I they have to find another way to 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 make their, their, their selves util for for that team I thought that Edmondson and Savard looked terrible tonight. It looked like their positioning, they were like, they had no idea where each other was on the ice. I thought they were really bad. I, you know, I, it was a game to forget for them. Yeah, completely. And you know that they're supposed to take big minutes from, from the kids and to, 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 to save them, if you will. But that's not what they're doing because every time they are on the ice, you want them to go back on that bench. And it's not what you want from the, the two, the two veterans of that defensive core. Um, I'm not sure if the the the, the moment when, when Mike Matheson is going to be back, I don't know if it's going to be enough. I don't think it's going to be enough, but maybe it's going to help a little because you're going to see a little more, more less of uh, David Savard and of Joel Edmondson on that first line because right now it's really, really hard to see. And it, the kids are not learning from that. Anthony Richard was out of the lineup tonight. After watching what you watched, uh, what would you do with him between now and the end of the year? Do you get him back in the lineup? And if so, is there one in particular that sits out more often than not? Or are, is Anthony Richard on a rotation along with several other players? I think he's going to be a part of that rotation. Um, I would play him a little bit to to see what he has. I think the speed that Anthony Richard has is is really good for, for the NHL right now. And when he had a good opportunity, he could took them. Um, I have the feeling that Mike Pizzetta is going to sit a little bit because uh, I don't know if he's that valuable on the ice. We talked about the fourth line. I don't think there's a, a clear fit for um, for a teammates for him. So I have the feeling he's going to play a little bit, but I would not be surprised if he would be sent back to, to Laval at some point. Maybe they're going to want to try a guy like Rafael Harvey-Pinard. I don't know, but for now, Anthony Richard doesn't look... Um, he, he, could be, he could be on that... No, I don't know if they can use him uh, on a regular basis. All right. Okay. We talked about, you know, the rebuild before and the fact that, you know, this management team is not going to deviate at the end of the game. You saw, you saw a snapshot of you. You saw basically the entire Canadians brass there. Um, I'm not so sure if I saw Jeff Gordon or not. I, I, I did see Kent Hughes. I did see Vinny LeCavalier. I did see Marty LaPointe. I did see Nick Bobrov. I did see their capologist, John Sedgwick. Um, it, you know, it looks like pretty much everyone is together in town. And one of the things they're actually doing is they're preparing for a couple of things. But, you know, they're also going through their lists and the draft. And that's why LaPointe is there. And that's why Bobrov is there. This is a very proactive management team. And for those who think that internally that you know the tank is not on internally the tank is on i mean these guys are already having their draft meetings yes obviously and you know we talk a lot about Connor Bedard, but there are a lot, a lot of good, good players uh, available in the first eight, 10 or 12 picks for the next draft. And the Canadians, uh, uh, bearing a miracle, they're not going to draft one and two. So they may have to draft seven, eight, nine or 10. And they're going to need to know who's the best player because at some point you're not going to see Montreal having uh, as good picks and as a good draft for many, many times because the, the, the goal of the Montreal Canadian is to build sustainable success. So they don't want to be put in a position in the next time there's going to be such a good draft to be available to pick five, six, seven, or eight. They really want to be their last very, very good draft. So they cannot um, they cannot strike out at the bat. So clearly they, they need to start early. And I'm pretty sure that's why Nick Bobrov and Martin Lapointe and all those guys, Vincent Le Cavalier, who has a really good input also, I'm pretty sure that's why they're, they are uh, in Montreal right now. Yeah, like, look, besides uh, Connor Bedard, obviously, it looks like yeah. uh, Adam Fantilli, it looks like Leo Carlson, it looks like uh, Matt V. Michkov and others. It looks like there's going to be several, uh, you know, several of them that are going to have really good NHL careers. I mean, some scouts are thinking that we're, we're talking about um, a generational talent, obviously, in Bedard, but at the very least, two or three franchise players out of the draft. Uh, that's pretty good. 
that's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Adam Fentley, I think he has a really, really good potential. We could take them separate one by one, but clearly there are a lot of good players, as you said, and the, the Habs, they have that luxury to have the, 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 the Florida Panthers. Who, they don't have a good season, and that was not expected when they traded that first pick for 20 games of Bancherot. So clearly, the, the Habs, they, they really need to take advantage of this because it's not going to be available uh, such a draft and such a good position in 2025, 26, and etc. because the Habs want to be good on that year's. All right, so uh, if we can get confirmation, because I have one eye on the screen right now, and Marty St. Louis during his pressure... His presser, pardon me, but it, it looks like St. Louis just said something to the effect of too many passengers on the team. This is something I've been talking about for a while. There's a lot of players on that team that don't play a 200-foot game. There's a lot of players on that team that are interested when they have the puck. They're not interested when they don't have the puck. There's a lot of players on that team that don't finish their checks. There's a lot of players on that team that don't sacrifice their bodies. There's a lot of players on that team that pretend to be working but are not working. And the, mm -hmm. the, the problem for Kent Hughes is that the veterans that he was hoping were going to show a little bit of personal and professional pride to build up their value so he can get something for them. With every game that they're playing, their value is going down. They have zero mm -hmm. value on the marketplace. Zero. Yep. You know, Mike Hoffman's yeah, got zero value on the marketplace. Jonathan Drouin, with all due respect to him, has zero value on the marketplace. If Getty Dadanov has zero value on the marketplace, yeah, Joel Edmondson's got a little bit, but man, with every game that he's playing, it's going lower and lower and lower. Brendan Gallagher right now has close to zero value on the marketplace, if not zero. It's so it's not a it's not a great time if you're Kent Hughes because you might have to just play out the rest of the season and just let these guys, some of them, go at the end of the year without getting nothing in return. Yeah, and that was not the plan because they have a few UFAs at the end of that season. And if Sean Monahan gets healthy, he could get a good return. But beside that, you name them. A guy like Dadonov has no value. Uh, we knew, obviously, that Paul Byron is a UFA. He's not going to have any value. He's not going to play. Um, Joel Edmondson has one more year. He, he's not playing like a guy you want on your team right now, even though in... Uh, 2019 and 2021 during the the, the the Cups run, it was really good for St. Louis and for Montreal. But it's really a problem for Kent Hughes because you, as a GM, he needed to 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 have those values to make those transactions. One year ago, he, he made the easy trades trading the guys like that at a good value. But right now, it's getting harder because the he has players that the other GMs, they don't want. So he has really to sell them to the other teams. Right now, the players are not helping. Yeah, Marc-Andre Perrault of TVS Sport confirms what uh, Marty St. Louis said in the presser. I, I I have one eye on the screen. I have one eye on social media. I have an eye. I would need more eyes to tell you the truth. But il y avait trop de passagers ce soir, surtout en première période. St. Louis qui revient avec le thème passager qui est très lourd de sens. So too many passengers, especially in period number one. Yeah, absolutely. During that first period, what was the, the it was 19 and 6, the shots, it was absolutely horrible. At some point, the, the, the Kraken had more goals than the Habs at shots, 3 and 2. So really, no one, no one was there. And Samuel Montembeau was completely alone. I do not blame him for that loss because he was completely alone, especially on that first goal. So yeah, I, I understand. And the problem is it's not the first time that Martin Saint-Louis talks about trop de passagers on the ice. So really, he's going to have to find a way to, to figure it out. He found a way with uh, Joel Armia for now, put him on the stands. And right now, he's playing good hockey, the best hockey he's played that year. So he's he's probably knocking on wood right now to, to for that to continue. But he doesn't have to. He, he needs to find a way not to put the veterans on the stands and them having back for for having a good performance because it's that's not how, how it works in the NHL right now. Unless, of course, the Canadians are really hoping that come trade deadline day, uh, without you know, you know, besides the Boston Bruins who are running away with the league and are dominant, uh, you know, every year pretty much, and it could be anyone Stanley Cup in the National Hockey League, right? So if a lot of teams go out and try and make moves to add players at the deadline, the more transactions take place, the more chance of your players getting picked up are the Canadians players. And seeing as there's no cap on the amount of players at the deadline, you can just pick them up for depth, of course. And seeing as there's only, you know, once the deadline comes around, there's about a month and a half left in the season. 
you know, teams picking up those players are not on the hook for a lot of salary either. Obviously, the Canadians must be crossing their fingers saying, please, let's hope that, you know, teams will pick up our players because of those reasons. Yeah, exactly. And you, you're going to have to keep some money. You're going to have, maybe there's going to be three, three teams trade to, to, to send 25% of the, 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 the cap at the end of the trade to the other team. But you need to be creative right now because your players are not giving you the option to, to have a, a full hand. So I don't know what Kent Hughes is going to do, but clearly he's going to have to, to, to hope for the best. I think, I think that's his best shot right now. Hope. Agnello and Sammy back at master control. Why don't you bring up some comments Uh, for my man here, Charles-Alexis Brisbois. And we're going to get to them. Um, Drayden says, do the Habs force Bedard to play center if they're lucky enough to draft him? No, they don't force him to play center. Uh, Charles-Alexis, in your opinion, based on what you've seen, is Connor Bedard a centerman or a winger? I think you're going to have to try him. Um, I think he has the ability to be a centerman, but sometimes it does not translate well in the NHL. We saw it. We, we have that debate with every player in Montreal, centerman or wingman. Uh, I would try him, but if he's more comfortable on the wing, if you can have uh, Connor Bedard, who's really, really good as a winger, I would keep him there because you need to put him in an environment where he's going to thrive. So if the Montreal Canadiens are lucky enough to, to have him, you try it, but you don't force it. So, uh, based on what I've seen, and it's a small sample, of course, uh, based on what I've seen, I think Connor Bedard is going to be a better winger than he is a centerman. He's not great in the face-off circle, and he uh, does not play a great 200-foot game, uh, and, uh, and um, he tends to get behind defenses and cheat a little bit before the puck actually leaves um, the zone and uh, so on that note i'm gonna say he's a winger but he's got a lot more uh pros than he has cons he has once again a major league shot he's got major league vision he's got major league uh passing ability as well he is a he's a big time clutch player he's a big time goal scorer uh he can he can change a game he can turn around a game by himself um he's got a flair for the dramatic i mean you name it This guy's got it, and he's got unbelievable work ethic, too. We hear from the coaches now, even after the tournament was over, uh, telling us that, uh, you know, in practice, he was the first one on the ice. He was the first one off the ice. The things that we heard about, you know, the greats, the Sidney Crosbys of this world, we're hearing the exact same thing about Connor Bedard. It's it's uh, so, so I'll say that. Uh, let's get back to the questions. Uh, Paul Cormier says, great show as always. Thank you very much. Will Primo get a start? And if so... Will he be more comfortable than in the past? Does Primo going to start? I'm not sure he's getting a start because, you know, the, the last time he played in the NHL, it was not great. He's not having the best season. He missed five weeks, I think, because of a concussion. He just came back last week, and now he's called up uh, on an emergency basis. I don't think the plan is to have him to play. I think if Caden Primo is playing in a game, it's because Jake Allen will miss uh, more time than we think. And you cannot play Samuel Montembeau every day. So I don't think the plan is to have Caden Primo to play right now. I don't think he's in uh, 100% game shape and not for the NHL. So I would not force a game on him uh, right now. Yeah, it, once again, it all depends on how long Jake Allen's going to be out. But if Jake Allen is, let's just say, moved to another team, At that point, you're going to see Caden Primo. But if Jake Allen's going to be out for about a week or two, you're probably not going to see Caden Primo, especially since the Canadians' games are spread out as well, right? I know they have, uh, obviously, they have uh, Nashville on uh, on Thursday night. And, you have a back-to-back, uh, though, in New York. Yeah, that's Saturday the one. Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, Saturday and Sunday. If Allen isn't back... Um, if Allen isn't back... You don't have a choice. It'll be no two and two. It'll be uh, three and four. Yeah, he's going to play one. And by the way, the game versus the Rangers on the Sunday is a 5 p.m. start, whereas the night before it's a 7 p.m. start. So it's not even two games in 24 hours. It's actually two games in 22 hours. So yeah, if Allen isn't back, Caden Primo will play one of those games. The big question is whether or not he's going to play in New York versus the Islanders or he's going to play in New York versus the Rangers. I would tend to think 
that if Allen is not going to be back, he'll probably play Saturday night versus the Islanders. You think so? As maybe I, I thought Saturday night was the Rangers one. No, Saturday's the, the Rangers. Ra Saturday's the Islanders and Sunday's the Rangers. Yeah, maybe um, you maybe you play the Islanders because Rangers. going to play Thursday night, right? So if yes. Montembeau is going to play Thursday night, look, Montembeau could definitely play again on Saturday, but I'm just thinking giving him an extra day's rest. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, if if Primo plays Saturday, it's going to say a long things about uh, Jake Allen. Let's say it like that, because right now it's supposed to be day to day. So if in a few days he's not back and he's not traveling with the team, I think Friday when the team, the team is going to travel, if Jake Allen is not on that plane, we're going to have some discussions to have. All right. Okay. Uh, a shout out. I want to give a shout out if I can. Let me just uh, get the name correctly here. Hold on a second here. Uh, a shout out to Wendy. So Wendy and Stefan are from Toronto and uh, they're huge Montreal Canadiens fans and also big fans of the sick podcast. Uh, her husband was born and raised in NDG. They moved to Ontario 26 years ago. They went to the game tonight. I don't know if they're watching on their smartphone now on their way back from the game, but they're going to be here for a couple of days, and they wanted to know if we can actually meet because they want to meet me, and I said, sure. So we're going to meet tomorrow for lunch. So if Wendy and Stefan are watching, thanks for following, and I look forward to meeting you tomorrow. If you, you know, never refuse an opportunity to meet those who support. Never. Really cool. um, other comments coming in. Let's go. Do you think Slavkovsky can be a 100-point player? I'll bet against it. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be a 100-point player. I think in the best-case scenario, he could be a point per game, but 100, I think it's really a lot to ask right now. I hope he can be, but the, the way his development is going, I don't think he's a 100-point per, uh, per season. So besides Patrick Kane, Alexander Ovechkin, Mitch Marner, and there's another one. Hold on a second. Uh, Stamkos plays the wing every now and then. So you can put Stamkos. Kucherov. Kucherov's another one. Leon Dreisaitl's another one. No, there's about seven or eight wingers that come to mind that can pick up 100 points. I, I just, I don't think Yuri Slavkovsky is going to be a big-time point producer. Do I think, you know, we can see him hit a point per game? Yeah, but there's a difference between hitting 80 and hitting 100. I don't think he'll hit 100. I don't. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not the same ballpark. No, um, it's uh, it's now time for, uh, well, shout out actually to Matrix Home Fitness. Discover a club quality workout in the comfort of your own home. Maybe Marty St. Louis is going to get some of those players on the treadmill tonight or the elliptical or the bike because he wasn't happy. He said too many passengers in period number one. You can bring it home, discover a club quality workout in the comfort of your own home and visit matrixhomefitness.ca. Uh, all right, okay. Uh, let's just see what's going on here on YouTube Live. Suzuki has 100-point potential over Uri. This coming in from Josh. Yes, Josh, I agree 100%. Kevin says he thinks Slavkovsky can be a 40-40 guy. I would take that. Joel Langevin says Slavkovsky isn't really a point producer. I don't think he is either. Tony, you can add, says MJV. Kirill Kaprasov to the list. Yes, you can. Thank you very much for that. I appreciate it. Sean Weir says no way that he'll be a 100-point guy one day. No way. That's not happening. Uh, Armada says Thornton took time to develop. Relax, guys. Uh, Chris Bergeron says Slav needs to be a more skilled Tom Wilson. That is all. I would hope he's going to be better than that. Adam Lancaster says uh, ban the baby blues. Raw footage says Jonathan Drouin will retire after this season. That's possible. Let me go with that. Charles Alexi, look into your crystal ball. What is the future hold for Jonathan Drouin? It's really a hard question. I wonder maybe he's gonna it's gonna be enough for him because we don't know his mental state right now. Maybe he's had enough of hockey, maybe he's had what he had to do. Um if he had to play, I would guess somewhere like Arizona in a in a non-pressure environment. Um, but seriously, there is a possibility. Not saying I don't want to say he's gonna retire, but maybe he could take a year off or not starting the year. I, I see a world where Jonathan Drouin is not signing a contract during the first few days of the free agency to, to just wait out and to take some times for him. I'm not sure what time holds, but there's not going to be a lot of opportunities for, for Drouin. All right. Okay. Other uh, questions via YouTube coming in. 
AG says Drouin is not coming back for sure. Cuckoo says we have had enough of Jonathan Drouin. Um, Adam says goes to a non-US market, puts up 50 points next season. Maybe uh, Les Habitants says the Habs should never wear a retro jersey. Awful record. Who cares, folks? Retro jersey. I actually think it's a nice jersey, to tell you the truth. I've always liked the baby blue. I've always liked the baby blue. Uh, any Montreal, you know, it reminds of the Expos. Of course, of course it does. Of course it does. Um, you know, mind you, uh, the Expos left, and hopefully it doesn't happen with the Canadians. Tony, would you trade Slavkovsky for Lafreniere today? No, I would not. Charles Alexi, would you? Um, no, I think the there's too much risk on either side. I don't think they would do it. I, I wouldn't either because, you know, Lafreniere is on his third year. Slavkovsky is still young with his first year. I would not do it at this point, no, because you don't want to see Slav thriving in New York and uh, having Lafreniere not doing the same thing in Montreal. There's too much of a risk. Raw footage says losing Gouli ended up being a blessing in disguise in terms of the tank, that is. Yeah. In that side, yeah, but you know, you have a kid who's missing a lot of development, so that's that's bad for the team. But of course, in that Connor Bedard uh, point of view, it's a great news. Uh, <laughs> there, there's you know, Jake Evans hates Connor Bedard right now. If you see his play tonight, but yeah. if not, it's it, it's good to see the the Habs play like that because if you go on Tankathon, and I don't know if you spend some time on that website, I go on. Oh it every yeah, day. yeah, that's the one and, where you do simulations, right? Yeah, exactly. So for for the Tankathon, they're really good. You know. Last year, when uh, where where Kent Hughes uh, coming to uh, was the G, was named GM in this one of his first presser, he said we're uh, we're first on cap friendly right now. We could say we're we're in the first on Tankathon. So there's a few websites uh, where the Habs are first right now. It's not on the standings in the NHL, but you have to see the positive, right? All right, okay, pretty cool. Um, do you think Lafreniere is a bust? Because I just one of the comments that came in. Uh, I don't think he is. I think he's gonna have to to maybe he's gonna have to leave New York to become the player he needs to be. But I don't. I do not think he's a bust right now. All right. Um, Tony hit the Blue Blanc Rouge song. No, we're not doing that right now. Uh, no, it's not a time for Blue Blanc Rouge right now. At one point, we will hit the Blue Blanc Rouge song. Um, there was um, there's the Thurston says. Uh, the Thurston says, would you rather re-sign Sean Monaghan or sign Pierre-Luc Dubois during free agency? Okay, correct me if I'm wrong, but Pierre-Luc Dubois still has two more years after this year before hitting unrestricted free agency, correct? One more year. Uh, after this year? Yeah, yeah, he had two years before he signed that one-year contract. So in 2024, he's going to be free and available. I'm pretty okay. sure. Okay, it's 2024. Okay, let me let me. You sure about that? Yeah. Okay, I'm pretty sure. I uh, maybe maybe you're right. Let me just see here. Pierre Luc Dubois. He's uh, 24 years old. He's played one, two, three, four years in the National Hockey League. Was his first contract till 2019-20, and then he played six more: 20, 21, 21, 22. That's six. So it's uh, after seven years in the National Hockey League or age 25, I believe. Yeah, I think I think you could be. I think you could be right here. Let me just take a look. See, everyone's been talking in the about... league in 2017. So if you add seven years, it's 2024. Yeah, Pierre Luc Dubois. He's uh, this year. Okay. And then he's an RFA in 23-24. So he would be a UFA. No, at the end of, okay. So this year, he, uh, he gets paid $6 million, correct? Yeah. Next year, the year after, he's mm -hmm. RFA. Yeah. He would only be UFA at the end of the 25 season. That's not when sure. he would be. I think it's 24. You sure about that? Pretty sure. Okay. I'm on Cap Friendly. Cap Friendly says he'll be RFA in 23-24, which leads me to believe he signs a one-year deal or he signs a, a one-year deal, two-year deal. Okay. So you know what we're going to do? I, I, I'm trying to do a show here at the same time, and so are you. 
So let's ask uh, Sammy Cavallaro and Agnello Cavallaro back at Master Control uh, just to do the research so that we can get it right. We don't give out any wrong information. Uh, is uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois an unrestricted free agent uh, or a restricted free agent? I think you might be right because, once again, if I take a look at when he came into the year, seven years or age 25, I think you could be right. I think you could be right. He's actually RFA, I think, at the end of this season, so would be UFA at the end yep. of the other season. I think you're right. Exactly. Come to think of it, I'm doing the math here. I think you're right. Okay. Um, so, Agnello just confirmed, but I, I think Charles Alexi has it right here. Uh, and you could send me a note here. Uh, all right. It's Agnello and Sammy, a master control. All right. Okay. We're supposed to do you called, but I think there's so many comments tonight that we're going to do it anyway, but we're going to do it in a question format. So you called. You called. Presented by Playground. Playground, your premier gaming destination located just over the Mercier Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. It's going to be you message tonight. Because lately, we're getting absolutely inundated with messages. It's not normal. So we're going to take more messages uh, than we will take calls when, you know, we're getting so many messages. We don't want to leave them unattended. So uh, UFA at the end of the 24 season, Sammy confirms in our private chat here. So you got to write my man. All right. Uh, let's go to the uh, messages. Uh, Myolo Montreal, who has, by the way, a very beautiful spot on Sherbrooke in downtown Montreal and um, has these fantastic eggplant fritters as an entree, which is eggplant rolled up. It'll actually look like a meatball, but it's eggplant with some gorgonzola cheese melted on top. It's absolutely unbelievable. Now I'm really hungry, Tony. Ah, <laughs> it's absolutely unbelievable. It's unbelievable. If you uh, want to order some, I, I think the number is uh, 313-8000, if memory serves me well. I could be wrong, but I believe it's 313-8000, and I believe it's at 1800 Sherbrooke Street West. Uh, I've said the address and gone there enough, and I've said the number enough. I think I might be right because I, you know, my memory is pretty good when it comes to this kind of stuff. All right. Okay. Um, do you think Jake Evans could be tradable? And what can we get? By the way, your eggplant fritters are ready. This guy's the best. They're ready. Uh, they're ready. What? Right now? What do I do? I stop doing the show and I come there and I get them right now or what? I, I'd rather have them on, on Saturday where Saturday is going to be like my cheat night type of thing, you know, but I'll take them whenever you have them. Yes, Jake Evans is a tradable player. And in my opinion, at the very least, Owen Beck will be able to play that role. I actually think that Owen Beck has more upside and will actually play even higher up in the lineup. But, you know, I take a look at all the players the Canadians have in the system. They've acquired a lot of prospects. They're not going to have a problem replacing Jake. With all due respect to Jake Evans, they're not going to have a problem replacing Jake Evans, right? At the end of the day, let's be honest here, even though Jonathan Drouin was playing fourth-line center, Jake Evans is a fourth-line center. It's not much more than that. No, exactly. And, and, that's, and that's a good thing, by the way. I mean, it's, it's nothing, no, no shame in being a fourth-line center in the National Hockey League. I didn't mean mm -hmm. for it to come across the wrong way, but I think he's very, I think he's very tradable, yes. Yeah, especially for a guy like who was a seventh-round pick. He worked really hard in Laval to be... Uh, to be able to play in the NHL on a regular basis. Um, right now, I'm not sure I would trade Jake Evans uh, because I, I'm not sure what his value exactly is with a few more years on his contract. But if a, a GM offers to can't use a good price, I would pull the trigger. But uh, I would not be in a rush to trade Jake Evans because, yes, we have a, a few options down the road, but they're not ready right now. So, for now, he, he brings some stability, and he's still young. He can still develop. But if the price is good, I'm not holding on on Jacob. But look, Charles Alexi, I could be wrong here, okay? Uh, maybe I got the wrong read of this situation. I don't think he's got any value. I mean, he's not putting up any points. He's a fourth-line center. His ceiling, his potential is probably not better than a fourth-line center. 
At one point, he had three to four documented concussions in less than two and a half years. I mean, right? what could a team possibly offer you for Jake Evans? Like, I, you know, the only, you know, what makes him attractive, obviously, is that he does not have an expensive contract, but I don't see it. Yeah. Yeah, maybe the concussions are, are a factor, but, you know, I, I, I think that contract, it, it may... It may attract a few people. I'm not exactly sure. But as I said, maybe if his best value is in Montreal, you you need to keep him because he's going to buy some time to the kids. Uh, but it, as I said, if a GM has a price for Jake Evans because they, they need to go and maybe because some players are, are, are not tradable around the NHL, you can trade the, a guy like Jake Evans. It's not going to mess the entire plan in Montreal. All right. Uh, there's a text message, Tony. Who are your top three prospects at the draft, excluding Connor Bedard? Well, it would be Fantilli, it would be Carlson, and it would be Michkov, based on what we saw and based on what we heard. Uh, and they say that you know Michkov is sliding. I don't think he's going to slide much more than that. I mean, he ends up being a top five pick, even though he's going to end up being in the uh, KHL for a while. Monahan and Edmondson are going to be the only ones to be traded. Evans' childhood team was the Penguins. We should deal him there. Uh, Fantilli, Michkov, Carlson, and Sudbury Wolves. Quinton Musty, who's a favorite, by the way, of Simon the Snake Boisvert. I've been in communication with Chris from Sport La Tornade, sports card store La Tornade on 1 Avenue La Fabrique in Vaudreuil. And he got me a Quinton Musty rookie card. I think I'm going to have it uh, framed or whatever, maybe even signed. And we're going to send it off to the Snake Boisvert, who's a big fan. Um, Tony, if offered a first-round pick, do you think the Habs will look at re-signing Monaghan for one or two years, if not offered a first-round pick? So if they don't get a first-round pick for Monaghan, do they trade him? I think they still will because they, they, they need to trade some players right now. And... Maybe if he, if he's not offered a first round pick, it's because the market does not dictate it. I think they will at the end of the day. But the question is interesting because you you see his value. But the question you gotta ask is, what at what price is he gonna sign at the end of the at the end of the season? And I don't think Sean Monahan could sign for one or two years after that. If he's healthy, he's gonna want to cap, uh, capitalize on that value. So. I don't think the Habs want to resign him at the price he's going to ask at the at the end of the season. So you better trade him for a second round pick than keep him and make the Canadians better and win some games that will um, that will make sure you're not drafting Connor Bedard and losing at the end of the season. So I would I would still trade him. All right. Uh, someone just told me not to have rookie card signed, so I'm not going to do that. Thank you very much for the tip. Monahan has hip injury history. No, thank you. Uh, Carey Price, a front office member of the Montreal Canadiens. I don't think that's going to happen personally. Uh, Brian Chandler says Evans is a hell of a lot better than a lot of the current players. At least he comes to play. Coming to play is one thing. Having value is something else. At the end of the day, you can get a draft pick for Jake Evans, but what kind of draft pick can you get? George Liaros says, should the Habs and youngsters to Laval for a deep playoff run, let them play meaningful games. Uh, I think it would be a good idea. Adam Lancaster says, I saw Musty in Ottawa. He was pretty good, I have to say. John Wayne says, Evans, to play on a third line, needs to be a winger, not a center. If not, he is a depth player. Uh, Andy says, do you do a Caulfield for Matthews trade, assuming Matthews wants out of Toronto? No, because the Montreal Canadiens are a rebuilding team. And uh, I think you can rebuild with Cole Caulfield a lot better. And not to mention that he's going to make a lot less money than... Austin Matthews for quite a while if you're one player away from winning a Stanley Cup that's a different story at that point I think you would be very interested in a guy like Austin Matthews no doubt about it uh do you think we're going to call up uh, Philip Machar uh no they're not going to do that um no they're not going to do that what do you think of Machar at the World Juniors by the way um he was not a he, you know he didn't make a, a huge difference for for his team but he played good. I mean, he, I have the feeling that, yes, he's a first-rounder, but he doesn't have the pressure of the first-rounder because Slavkovsky was before him. So I, I have the feeling that we we, we don't watch him as much uh, as we should have. But he, he was not the, the best player on the ice, but he was not the worst. I think he's progressing well. 
Uh, Mike says, Tony, when will Suzuki start playing better? When Edmondson starts playing better, when Mike Matheson is back in the lineup, and when Sean Monahan is back in the lineup and the Canadians have more players bringing it and they have a deeper team, and when Gallagher's back in the lineup, this way the Canadians don't only have a one-line team and teams don't only have to focus on one line. So the more depth the Montreal Canadiens get, they get everyone back in the lineup, they get Monaghan to insulate a guy like Nick Suzuki, and then I think Suzuki's going to start playing better because right now I think he has no insulation. I think they have too many injuries at too many key positions, and teams are just, you know, they're concentrating on him. Not to mention that the fact they had lost seven in a row, they've now lost eight of their last nine. A lot of players, their confidence is down. And when the confidence is down, well, that means his confidence is down as well. And uh, you're a lot less dangerous team that way. They're having a hard time getting the puck out of their zone zone too. I mean, they're pinned in their zone a lot, and that hurts. Um, is it me or I'd replace Pazetta with Anthony Richard? Um I think they're very replaceable players. I don't think, you know, Pizzetta should be in the lineup every game. And, you know, Anthony Richard, I'm not so sure he's the kind of player that should be in the lineup every game as well. But for sure, you can rotate them in and out 100%. Yeah, even though they, they bring something completely different. If you want some, some more offense, if you want some more speed, you can bring a guy like Anthony Richard. But, you know, Pizzetta from the beginning of the season... We know the Habs, they, they want to have him on that team, but they don't want to have him on that team 20, uh, 82 games per year because yeah. he's, he's not that kind of, he's just not that kind of player. And, you know, when when you're missing Monaghan in your lineup and you have some players down the middle and they're injured and some of their depth, you know, at that point, you start overplaying players a little bit. And I think Suzuki may have been overplayed a little bit. Right now, there's a little bit of juice that's lacking out of that orange. Like they squeezed the orange for all the juice it had. And there's very, very little juice left. And I think that's exactly what's going on. Uh, another day, another dollar. That's it for night. Charles-Alexis Brisbois from BPM Spot. If we can give out your Twitter handle so that people can start following you on Twitter, because I think you're a very good follow on Twitter. And not to mention, you are a very, very versatile broadcaster as well. You have an ability to talk about several sports whether it be the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, will it be the Montreal Canadiens, whether it be the Laval Rocket, whether it be other sports as well. Uh, why don't you give all your Twitter handle? Yeah, my Twitter handle is Charles underscore. I think there are two underscores. I don't know why. Alexis. Shall underscore Alexis. Let's see if we can find it here. It looks something yeah, like that. All exactly. right. We should have brought it yeah. up. But there you go. Uh, you know what? You've been on the show before. Very, very much appreciated. But for some, they probably had a chance to see you tonight for the very first time. I want to let you know that uh, I've, your, your, your English was always good. I've already seen an improvement, my man. So keep it yeah. up. Hey, thank you once again for accepting the invitation. Not the first time and not the last time on the Sick Podcast. Merci, mon chum. Yeah, thank you very much. And, you know, I think the last time I spoke English was the last time I was on the podcast. So <laughs> maybe I was a little rusty, but thank you for inviting me. It's always a pleasure. No rust there whatsoever. Merci beaucoup. We appreciate it. John Zimmerman, I'm happy to listen to the sick podcast. Regards to your father-in-law. John's dad owned a company that my father-in-law used to work at. As a matter of fact, it was called Zimcor. And my father-in-law still to this day talks about Zimcor like every day. He had some great memories there. So, John, uh, thank you and the entire family for making that workplace a place that my father-in-law still talks about today. Uh, he holds Zimcor in his heart. And I hold all of you in my heart as well for you, the Sick Army. If you liked what you had a chance to hear, by the way, I'm in a great mood today because I got an email and the email came from, you know, one of the websites that rates all the podcasts and stuff like that, or actually the website. And it showed me that we had seven new reviews on Google, on Apple, and on Spotify. And I went to read them, and they were all very, very good five-star reviews. And uh, you know what? I think the podcast is getting better every day i know we're working very hard to make that happen i think a lot of you are starting to agree with it you want to send me an email i gave my email out already i'll continue to give it out a, a, again it's tony at the sickpodcast.com if you have um any critique uh no problem at all i'd be happy to hear what you have to say whether it's good whether it's bad whether it's positive whether it's negative 
this show is a show that belongs to you. And so without you, I'm doing it with an empty audience with no audience at all. And then, you know, you can't do a show with no audience for an extended period of time. I mean, you just need an audience. And tonight, I would say that between YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, we probably had close to about a thousand people on at the same time watching. Not bad for a show um, that starts at uh, just 10 p.m. Eastern till about 11 p.m. Eastern. It is 11.03. So to you, my sick army, uh, message sick, S-I-C-K. It's our way of feeling the love. Hit the like button, please. It's our way of feeling the love. And once again, if you leave us a review on Google, Apple, or Spotify, make it a five-star review. We really, really appreciate that. It's the Sick Podcast, weeknights, starting at 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell your friends about it. It's pretty sick. And if they say, who is that guy? You tell them. I'm Marinaro. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. 8.6. Intense by nature. And La Cage. If the last time you went to La Cage was when the Habs won the cup, it's time you went back to La Cage. The menu will surprise you.